So before I start teaching and preaching, I'd like to give you some words that would uh, help you understand where I'm coming from. A few things before I give you those words. And number one is that I'm not here to convince, convict, or even convert. I'm here simply to inspire. Okay, I'm simply here to open the word before you. There may not be miracles after I teach or preach, but I know one thing. You're, if you open your heart and you open your mind, you will be transformed from where you are into another realm. And that's what we are called to be. Glorious people. We are not called to be good people. We are not even called to be good Christians. Because that brings religion in. We are being called to be glorious people who are transformed from glory to glory. The word transformed is from the Greek word metamorpho. Now metamorpho means... Are taking you from one meta level or sphere into another. So you get the metaphysical. And what does that do? It's taking you from one substance into another. Are you with me? Repentance is about an immediate change that is permanent and has an effect that may not be permanent. So when Jesus came, he came and said, repent. Why did he say repent? Because he said, unless there is an immediate change, unless there is an immediate change, there cannot be a believing of the gospel. He said, repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God. Can you see the transition? Can you see what he's saying here? He's saying, you're in one kingdom. You need the gospel to transport you into the other. And the means of that transportation is to believe. Simply believe. Okay? These are some of the things that I'd like you to know as you grow in Christ. Because we tend to get it all mixed up. We think repentance is transformation. And repentance is transition. No, no, no. Transition is when you're gradually progressing. You're, you're transiting. You're, you're in Dubai and you're there. There's a transit wait for you to get into another plane. That's transition. And that's repentance. That's not, that's not repentance. Repentance is that something strikes you and you're immediately changed. There's no one here who's come to know the Lord who can say, I gradually came to know him to be born again. There are some people who say that. And you ask them, when were you born again? Well, I, I actually can't put a date it's like you don't have a birth certificate or a death certificate. You have to have a certification. You can't say that I actually don't know when. And to such people, I used to those days accept that, but not these days. Because to me, that means that there is no proper encounter with God. <clears throat> Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. Now, you may have an argument about that. And I know there are certain people who will have arguments. No, in my case, I gradually came to know God. Well, certainly you gradually came to know God. But when did you graduate? Has to be a date. Yeah. 
There is no way in which you could say, uh, well, mm, ah, so can you make it sure today? Can you make it sure today that if you've never been in this place of knowing a date, can you make today your date? Because in eternity there is no date. Please remember that. But today can you say my name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Today. And then write it on your Bible. Put it in. And next time somebody asks you, you know the problem with us is we are so proud. We don't want to say, well, I was born again and then say yesterday. Wow, only yesterday? I thought you were born again all this time. Now, why am I saying this? Because we have lost a value that Jesus taught. We have lost a, a particular aspect of what Jesus taught. In our, I've got two words or two subjects in my theology. Only two. One is grace and the other is the kingdom of God. That's all. All the others are from that. <clears throat> So the gospel I preach, the gospel I teach, is the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the gospel of prosperity. It's not the gospel of healing. It's not even the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Why do I say this? Because Jesus said it. And my theology is all wrapped up in Jesus. If he didn't say it, I don't care who said it. Well, it could be even Paul. I don't care. If Jesus doesn't say it, then that means I'm not meant to accept it. So what did he say? He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Now when you think of a kingdom... We always think of a sovereign king who rules over his people. Yeah? And who's got a designated geographical area in which he has his throne. And from there he rules. He rules over his people. But when we look at the Bible definition of a kingdom, that's not what it means. It simply means king dom. King's dominion. And what's the king's dominion? How, do, how does he have dominion over us? By serving, not by ruling. Even when God gave Adam and Eve their responsibility, their divine mandate, which is yours and mine, by the way, never changed. He said, rule over all the earth, not people. Have dominion and subdue all the animals and the animal kingdom. The vegetation, but not man. Are you with me? The problem today is that we are trying to rule people. We are trying to have dominion over people. <clears throat> Never called to do that. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Amen. Right? And if you go to Matthew, and especially Luke chapter 4, you would find him saying something there. Okay? Let's go there. Luke chapter 4 and verse 38, I believe. Let's see. And he says this, sorry, verse 43, I must, I must what? Preach, preach what? The kingdom of God. I must. 
And then he goes on to say, for this purpose, I have been sent. So if he preached the kingdom of God, then I go to preach the kingdom of God. Are you with me? And if that was his purpose, then, and he says, I must. He doesn't say, I need to, I want to, I feel like. He said, I must. And there's a divine urgency in him. And if there was a divine urgency in him to preach the kingdom of God, which was right throughout, even in Paul's life, because Acts chapter 28 ends, and it never ended actually, but its writing ended with Paul preaching the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Now why, am I, why is this my introduction? Because if you go to John chapter 3, which is misunderstood by many, maybe not by you, but by many, you would see that he says something. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And he also says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, a lot of us, or a lot of teachers, emphasize salvation. You have to be saved. I don't see Jesus emphasizing that. I see him emphasizing to be saved as an process by which you endure because he says he who endures to the end will be saved but in born again it's not a process born again is that which happens and then when you're born again now listen to me you see the kingdom. In other words, every single person who is born again has the capacity to see into the spiritual realm. Hello. Every single person who is born again has the capacity to see the spiritual realm. There is not one person here who is who is born again, who, cannot, who, who can say, well, I still need a little bit of you know, help to see. And I think Jesus got it wrong. And then he says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're born again, then you already are in the kingdom of God. And later on, somewhere else he says in Luke 17, 20, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. <clears throat> when he starts, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And as he goes on, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. Are you with me? Are you understanding this? Now, why am I saying this? It's so important for us to understand this because we are operating from an earthbound situation rather than a kingdom oriented situation. Well, let's look at it. And, and why? Because we don't really, we have not experienced understood or experienced, may I put that as well. We have not understood or experienced what it means to be born again, because to us, to be born again means to be saved. That's what we were taught, that's what we believed, and now that we are saved, uh, we are okay, and we are going to heaven. Okay, that's what we were taught, that's how I came to know. But then when I was born again, I realized, no, 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 no. It's something different because to be born again means to be born from above. To be born again is to receive a divine nature. 
You with me? To receive a divine nature that changes me. And when does that change happen? The day I receive. The day I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And here's the problem again. We are teaching too much that Jesus Christ is the Savior. That's a wrong emphasis. He is the savior of every single person on the earth. But he's not the Lord of every single person of the earth. And we have removed the lordship, the kingship of Jesus Christ. And simply taught salvation. And he's the savior. He's the healer. Hey, before he was the healer, he was the creator. Are you with me? <clears throat> Hello? Are you okay? You're still with me? Right. So we think that to be born again means to be saved. Saved from what? Oh, saved from sin. Well, that's really not what Jesus Christ came for. What? I thought he came to save us from sin. He came. What did he say? To preach the kingdom of God. And he said many things why he came. He said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. For this purpose Christ was revealed to destroy the works of the evil one and all of these things. But there are very few places that say that he came to save us from sin. He came for redemption, beloved. He came for redemption. Why did he come for redemption? He came to redefine the kingdom of God. He came to redefine how we relate with God. The heart of God has always been for you and I to relate with him in love. Always. But somewhere down the line, beginning from Exodus chapter 20, there was a change. And then we began to relate, man began to relate, especially the people of Israel began to relate through the law. I want you to hear this. That's a curse. Wherever you find the law operating, it's a curse. I'm not talking of the law of this country and all of that, right? Please remember, that's not what I'm talking about. Wherever you get the law, there is a thing called the law of prayer, the law of fasting, that unless you fast, they call it a 21-day fast, a 40-day fast, or whatever fast. And those become laws. And then as soon as you become a Christian, now start reading the Bible. Now start going for meetings. We make them worse than they were. <laughs> Honestly. And then this is the sad thing, right? I'm deviating a bit, but I'm trying to show you something. This is the sad thing. When they came as they were, we loved them more than when they became who we are. <laughs> because we ourselves don't know who we are. Honestly, we loved them, we cared for them. Even if they went and did madness, we still said, it's okay, don't worry, God loves you. But the moment they became like us, something happened. And if they did anything that they did in the past, man, they got the wrath of us on them. Yes or no? But you watch from, you, you watch God, and I'll tell you why. Because the moment we got converted, 
we started learning the law. But you watch God's dealings with the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Watch his dealings before Genesis 20, uh, before Exodus 20. And you'll find that even if they broke the Sabbath, they were not punished. Hello? Even if they committed a certain crime, they were not punished. And the same things that you find in Exodus that they did. For example, when they, when they had this, uh, when they were murmuring and grumbling, guess what he did? He sent them manna. When they began to grumble about his lack of provisions. But when the murmuring and the grumbling began after Exodus 20, they were punished. What happened? They entered into what is known as the kinsman covenant. When they were under what is known as the grant covenant. The grant covenant is a covenant between two. The lesser and the, the bigger. Now the lesser couldn't keep the covenant, so the bigger one kept the covenant. And you find that in Abraham. I'm taking you through something, so follow me. I'm more teaching today than preaching. I feel that is important. Now watch this. When Abraham made the covenant, with, or when God made the covenant with Abraham, it was a grand covenant. Why was it a grand covenant? Because when Abraham was asked to cut that goat, it was the way people kept covenants. It was a bloody covenant. Now when he cut the goat, guess what happened? With all the cutting of the goat and this and that, he went to sleep. Yeah? Now his side of the covenant was only to cut that thing, but his side of the covenant was to walk through that. Because when they walked, when both parties walked through that, if they would walk past each other, their hands would be bloody, and they would hit their hands like this, as much as to say, whoever breaks the covenant, let it be done unto that person as what has been done to this animal. God knew that Abraham couldn't keep the covenant. So he allowed him to sleep. And guess what? He walked. It says a light, a torch, walked through that. And because man could not keep the covenant, and God had made a covenant, he was a lamb that was slain. Are you with me? Do you understand this? So he did not come to save us from sin. He came to keep a covenant of redemption. That brings us back into relationship with us. With him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Hello. Now you may say, but then what about this thing called for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory? Yes, that is true. But what is the sin? The sin is that we have missed the mark. Not that we have done something very treacherous and... But after Exodus 12, uh, Exodus 20, every time they did something, they were punished. Why? Because that was called a kinsman covenant. Now what's a kinsman covenant? Kinsman covenant is where two people come into agreement as equals. So they tell Moses, you go, you come, bring back everything and we will do all that you ask us to do. Are you with me? 
and they come into an agreement with God. Now God keeps that covenant. Every time they did something, they had to suffer the consequences. And God couldn't do anything. It was too much for him to watch. You know what he did? He sent his son. And his son became the grant covenant. Are you with me? Yeah. Now why am I saying this? Because I want you to know that to be born again means to come into a covenant relationship with God. And the only way you can do that is to have the same nature that God has. Okay? The same nature. If you read that in Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. It's the same nature. He has given us the ability to partake in the divine nature. It's a divine nature. And so to be born again means to be regenerated. To be regened. From being who we are or who we were to being who he is. And then what happens? Are you listening to me? You're okay? Yes. Or are you calculating now, is this guy gone cuckoo or what? <laughs> What's he saying? I've never heard this. Well, I didn't hear it until I was taught it. Unless the Spirit of God revealed it to me. And through various studies and all of that. Confirmation through the Holy Spirit. I didn't know myself. So I can do, I do understand and appreciate. Now. To be born again is to be regened. And why? Because you and I cannot relate with God who is so perfect and sinless. So Jesus Christ had to come, live and show us that we can be sinless. Therefore he who is born of God cannot sin. Yes. Cannot sin does not mean that we cannot make mistakes or cannot fail or cannot miss the mark. Cannot sin means we don't now, once we are born again, have a sin nature. We have a divine nature. And that divine nature does not belong to you or belong to me. Belongs to Jesus Christ who by his grace has given it to us. And of his fullness, John 1.16, we have all received grace upon grace. For as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the ability, the authority to become sons of God. And that's why later on in John chapter 3, he says, he that is born of the flesh is flesh. He that is born of the spirit is spirit. In John chapter 1 in verse 13, he says, not born of man, not of the will of man, but of God. So you and I are, in fact, his offspring. We are born of the word of God. We are born again by the word of God, beloved, not by a single simple prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed, raise your hand, say this prayer. Well, yeah, there was once upon a time something like that. I have to admit, I even did that. But not now, because we are transiting. We are moving. We are going into a metamorphosis. Why is that happening? Because God is looking for the transformation of nations. It's an apostolic call. It's an apostolic call. You see those days, and if you listen to what Jesus Christ said, he said, I, all power and authority has given, been given unto me, heaven and on earth from heaven and from earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of hundred people, thousand people, million people, approximately today, 
it's seven billion. Wow. Another twenty years, it may be even nine billion. What's he saying? Go make disciples of them. Immerse nations. Immerse cities. Immerse, you know, not one, two, three. Be thankful for the one, two, three. You see, those days, are you with me? From where did Jesus get this concept? Well, those days, the Romans, when they, because they learned it from the Greeks, but they went a little ahead of them. The Romans said to themselves, the Roman government, the Roman Empire said to themselves, hey, listen, we go conquer these lands, and then we let them do simply what they want to do. Hmm. Are you with me? Are you understanding this? So you know what they did? They sent apostles. You know who an apostle is? A sent one. Now what was the purpose for that apostle? To go and make the city that has been conquered or the nation that has been conquered as in Rome. That's why we do in Rome what the Romans do. Why did they do that? Why did they go and transform cities and nations to be like Rome? Are you ready? You know why they did that? So that when their emperor came, he will be in Rome. He will be as he is in Rome. Man, if Jesus came today, now can you understand why he's not coming? And don't worry, all these earthquakes and all, don't worry. He's not bothered by them. Oh, time for me to go. <laughs> you know why he's not coming? Because the kingdom of God is not yet preached to all the earth. Are you with me? That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said in Matthew either 24 or 25 and verse 14. That's what he said. Until the kingdom of God is preached to all the ends, to the ends of the earth, it won't end. Now why did he say that? He was taking this concept from the Roman because he spoke, he told Nicodemus. What did he tell Nicodemus? He said, Nicodemus, I'm speaking earthly things you don't understand. Man, if I tell you heavenly things, how are you going to understand? Because earth has parallels as in heaven. But heaven doesn't have parallels as on earth. Did you get that? Did you get that? So he took earthly parallels. Like he said, a sower went out to sow. And then he told Nicodemus, listen Nicodemus, unless a man is born of water. Aha, we've now taken that and made a doctrine and said the man has to be baptized. That's not even close to that. To be born of water is very simple. You were born in water, I was born in water. And the water burst and I came out. Are you with me? Nothing to do with baptism. It's a very natural process. And then he speaks of the spiritual thing. And what's the spiritual thing? The wind blows where it needs to. In other words, you can't control this. So there is a natural birth and there is a spiritual birth. That means you need to be born from above. Because flesh and blood cannot enter what? The kingdom of God. Are you with me? Everybody who's listening on SoundCloud, I didn't... I realize now that the congregation we preach is to more than 200. <laughs> so we make an emotional decision and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Man, I did that, you did that, most probably everybody has done that. But it's time that we realize that we are born again, not because I decided to follow Jesus, but because he decided to take me into his kingdom.
Hello. Are you with me? Now it's no turning back. If I turn back to put my uh, hand to the plow, I look back, I'm not worthy of the kingdom. <laughs> so my nature is never to look back. But my nature is to look forward because I'm going from glory to glory. Got it? Now, what I'm teaching today and what I'm sharing is not fanciful with miracles and all of that. It's from the word as Jesus taught it. Why? Because it's time that the church matures into the fullness of the stature of the nature of God. Yeah? So he says he must be born again. And then he says something amazing. Go down with me. Most assuredly, I say to you, verse 11, most assuredly, I say to you, we, got it? We. Who are the we? Not the disciples and me. <laughs> not the disciples and Jesus, because the disciples were not yet born again. They were questioning Jesus himself. <laughs> not Jesus and the angels. So who are the we? It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We say to you, what we know. Hello. So what he's talking about is from what he knows. Whatever he did, he did from what he knew. Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says that, and, that he went about teaching all that he did. Not verse 5, verse 1. All that he did. He did and taught. He did and taught. He didn't study and do. He did and taught. Because when, when Nicodemus comes and says to him, Teacher. Doesn't that what he says? Teacher. Rabbi. We know. Listen to his words. Verse 2. We know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For... No man can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. In the world, a teacher is someone who brings information. And he can be a classic and he can hold a doctorate in business, he can hold a doctorate in theology, but he may not know a thing in the practical aspects of what he has become a doctrine. Why? Because the teacher gives information. But in the biblical sense, a teacher is someone who does signs and wonders. And he was known to be a teacher come from God because of that. And who is saying this? None other than Nicodemus, a Pharisee. A ruler of the synagogue. Are you getting this? So he says, we know. Who are the we? Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. What we teach. Yeah? What we have seen. Verse 11. And... You do not receive our, some of your Bibles, if you're with me, with my Bible, which is the only Bible. <laughs> it says our with a capital O. Yeah? Then you have my Bible. Okay. Who is the R? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, our witness, you do not receive it. You don't receive what we are testifying about. You don't receive that. And today a lot of people are not receiving his witness. 
It's not about your witness and my witness. It's his witness. Are you with me? So please don't talk about this religious stuff called we are going witnessing. What are you witnessing about? Hello? Are you witnessing about his divine nature? Or are you going to only talk about, you know, yesterday I didn't have, today I have. Yesterday I was sick, today I'm healed. First of all, you should never be sick. <clears throat> Second, God's perfect will is not for you to be healed. That's right. Beloved, I wish above all that you prosper and be in good health. So what are we witnesses about? You know, I'm going through this current circumstance. Because I have to endure my, my portion of suffering. What are we witnessing? We need to witness on earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me? This is our witness. And Jesus came and witnessed. You know what he witnessed? He witnessed all that he saw the Father doing. Now you cannot see unless you are born again. You got to see. Now, how can you do anything without seeing? So we automatically go lay hands. Why? Because the Bible says so. We are academically so trained, we are theologically so trained that we just go and lay the hands. Nothing happens. We go and start shouting and casting demons out. They don't leave. They're laughing. But when we read of Jesus, man, these demons recognized him. Are you with me? They, they recognized him. And that's why later on in Acts chapter, where is it? Acts chapter, well, wherever it is. Paul I know, Jesus I know. But who are you? Are you with me? Paul I know, that means I know. I know experientially. Because man, the way they spoke was full of power and authority. The way you speak, you're pleading with me to go. I don't know about you, but I've heard people say, tell me your name. As if that blooming liar is going to tell him the name. Yeah. I, I have been to deliverance services and deliverance ministries. I was a part of one thing where I even got people to cough. Because that was what was taught then. And so I accepted it. And I got people to cough. And the more they cough and the more the flame was green, I believed the demon was coming. We were called bucket ministry. Because that's how we began. Believe me, we, I've had such a transformation. You, you won't believe the things I used to do. But I read the word. And I saw Jesus goes up. Even before he comes near them, they recognize him and they run and they come. Now listen to this. There's a man who's demon possessed. Yeah? There's a man who's demon possessed in Mark chapter 5. He runs. He doesn't care whether they're demons or not. Because you know what? Every knee must bow and every tongue confess. He runs and he worships. In Luke chapter 4, 
the people, when they hear the gracious words of Jesus, they say, wow, what words? And then when he quotes Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he goes on to give the kingdom manifest. Then they get mad when he says, this day it is fulfilled. Then they get mad and they want to kill him. And they say, is this the carpenter's son? Is this Joseph's son? But later on, a little further down in that chapter, there's a demon man. And he says, what have we got to do with you? Holy one of God. See, demons recognize Jesus. Man rejects Jesus. Are you with me? You and I carry the divine nature because we are born again. And when we walk, we have a fragrance. It's known as the aroma of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It's the sweet knowledge of God. That is who we are. We carry the aroma of Christ. We carry the, the sphere, the dominion, and the influence of God when we walk in. Yeah. We walk into a room. Yeah. You know what atmosphere means? Atmosphere is that which is based on mood. So what atmosphere do we carry when we walk into a room? We just had... Our boss says some few bad words and and we carry that atmosphere into the room. And there is something going on there, we change that also. We are supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. When we walk there, our light becomes dark. We are supposed to be the the Thermostat, we become the thermometer. Come on, come on, Nasya, preach it. Are you with me? We are the salt of the earth, and one part of the work of salt is to create a hunger in people. When we go there, they don't even care to eat of us. We ought to be saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. What to taste and see from you, man? And then we start talking of miracles, signs and wonders. Is that all that we have to offer? Are you understanding what I'm saying? So we need to know, beloved... As his people, we are a kingdom people. And what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, not outside the Holy Spirit. And our righteousness is not our, our, our righteousness. Because our righteousness is like filthy rags. The righteousness that we have got is the righteousness of God. The faith that we, we say, oh, we have faith. What faith? It's the faith of Christ. It's the faith, God kind of faith. There are three levels of faith. One is little faith. What is little faith? Little faith is not a measurement of quantity. In fact, the smaller your faith is, the better. Yeah? The little faith. You know what little means? It means brief. And we are, we, are, we are full of brief faith. We are on an emotional high because a miracle happened. Some money came into my account. Uh, my legs got healed. My body got healed. My cancer went. We are on a high, brief faith. Then boom, cancer comes back. That's called brief faith. You know what I mean? I'm not ridiculing the healings, right? I believe with all my heart. What I'm saying is that there are areas in our life we have brief faith. 
you may have come here you're excited you're head banging and shaking and moving and rattling and rolling and you're all that fire go out there and one guy cuts across your way with his car Yes or no? We see 60, we go 80, we go 90, we go 100 also. Are, are you with me? We have lost the ability to submit ourselves to authority. So when authority comes upon us, we get rebellious. When somebody brings, when, when, when the authority comes, then we start looking for, I'm under grace, not under law. Yeah, we have trump cards. No, beloved, that's brief faith. That you're up there and then suddenly you're down here. It's brief. For a moment of time you were okay, then... <laughs> then you have great faith. What is great faith? Again, not measurement. Great faith is a faith that is able to see even before it happens. And so the centurion and the Syrophoenician women, a woman were the only two who were commended for their great faith because they saw even before it happened and finally is the God kind of faith the God kind of faith is not saying God please do this for me I have fasted you might as well put the sign of the cross or sing Baba Black Sheep there's no difference between fasting like that and singing Baba Black Sheep. The God kind of faith is the faith that speaks and believes what it says. So here's my question to you. Do you believe what you say? How can other people believe what you say if you don't believe what you say? Yeah? I'll see you at 10 o'clock. And then you come around 11 o'clock. Because you didn't believe what you said. And we say we are under grace. Hello? We're married. We're in a covenant with the wife. When I said I do to my wife, I was saying I don't want the other seven billion people or the other three million women in this world, three billion women in this world. I don't know how many women there are. <laughs> but when I said I do to my wife, it was saying I don't want the others. Hello, but today the divorce rate in the church is far exceeding the world. To those who are divorced and remarried, please don't come into condemnation. Stay there. Stay there. But those who are married, work it out, don't walk out. This is how the divine nature operates, beloved. It works out, not walks out. It is faithful. The divine nature is faithful to the end. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Are you with me? Oh, that's what Jesus said. How about you telling it to your wife? How about your wife telling it to the husband? Are you with me? Children are abandoned. Children are aborted. 
the worst holocaust that can take place in the world. Why? They don't want to carry. They don't want to take the responsibility. Now I'm not speaking about choice and pro-choice and whatever choice. And there are times where case by case needs to be looked at. That's grace. But there has come a relativism into the church. Anything goes. That's called Herod is the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod. What is the leaven of Herod? The fear of man. Study Herod and you will see that the things he did was all because of man. He was afraid to kill John the Baptist. Why? Because he was afraid that the people will come against him. But he cut the neck. Why? Because he was in love with his brother's wife. Again, fear. Pontius Pilate, fear of man. Are, are you understanding? Saul, fear of man. Herod, fear of man. Why did Saul not obey the word of Samuel? Because I feared the soldiers. He lost his destiny. Are you with me? But these things won't happen if, the, if you are born again. Because the spirit of God in us will guide us, lead us and help us understand. Amen. As many as are led by the spirit, they are. And how do you become a son of God? Receive him. Be born again. Be born again. My call to you is repent. What am I asking you to repent from sin? No, no, no. I'm asking you to change your way of thinking. And come to the place where the word of God says you must be born again. For I have a transforming work in you. And I want to release into the world transformation. I want nations and cities transformed. And you say apostolic sent out. Hey listen. You remember when uh, Jacob was. Where did Jacob go in chapter 28 of Genesis? Where did he go? To a place called Luz. L-U-Z-T. I don't know whether I pronounced it right. But when he left it. He called it Bethel. And forever that city was known as Bethel. Why? Because he said God was here. Hello? We have the power and the ability to transform cities and to change it. And to bring in that culture. To bring in that transform life. So that people will see us and they'll say, wow, let your light so shine that men will see your good works and give him the glory. Are you with me? And that's what I'm calling you to repent of. To change. If there is a place in your heart that you know, man, I'm still struggling. There shouldn't be any place in your heart of you struggling. No place. Because the struggle is over. Was over. It is finished. It is done. It is completed. And now instead of the struggle, he is giving you victory. You're more than a conqueror. I think you'll like this when I end up on this note. You know Muhammad Ali? Cassius Clay? He was then Cassius Clay. This is a friend of mine told me this story. I like to share it with you because you're now going into a serious mode. When Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay, you know, won that fight, he was then Cassius Clay. 
when he f won that fight with Sonny Liston, one shot punch, popped down. He won a hefty big check. He held a check or he, and he said, I am a conqueror. I am the greatest. <laughs> and the wife ran up to him, took the chest, check and said, I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> Jesus Christ died, conquered sin, sickness, Satan and death. And now he declares you and you declare you're more than a conqueror. Amen. Come on. Amen. Can we have the band up and let's sing that song again for us to be transferred out of our mind into the spirit and to see things in the spirit realm. He's calling a people who can see into the spirit realm, who, who have entered the spirit realm and who are living in the spirit realm, who walk not after the flesh or the things of the flesh, but who walk in the spirit. And as you do that, as we sing this song, I want you to hear the words and I want you to allow the Spirit of God to minister.